Hey, Matt, let's tell our six listeners, or are we up to seven now? I'm not sure, about our new recording buddy, Riverside FM, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Yep, Riverside FM lets you record studio-quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a 1,000 miles away, and it will sound like you're sitting in the same room. And it's as easy to use as that meeting app everyone usually uses for recording, but has much higher quality audio and video. And they have a mobile app, so guests can connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for the final girl of recording platforms for podcasts, webinars, and other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. That's S-H-I-P-I-T to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. The podcast you are about to listen to is an account of the movies which befell a group of horror fans. In particular, Tara Garwood and her intrepid friend, Matt Lolich. Had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected although they would have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as we are to see in those movies. For them, an idyllic summer movie became a nightmare, and they loved it. The movies that they watched were to lead to the creation of one of the most terrifying podcasts in the annals of American history. The Scary Movie Project. Hello, fellow fiends, and happy Mother's Day. This is the Scary Movie Project, the podcast where we talk about scary movies, and we don't keep all the spoilery spoilers in a dusty bedroom. I'm Tara. And hello, I am Matt, as you probably already know. Well, today's episode, we want to talk about a new and altogether different screen excitement from one of the great directors of all time. We're talking about Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 classic, Psycho. Uh, note that I will say off the bat is that even if you are not, well, you're listening to this because you like scary movies, but for those that don't, uh, Psycho is a scary movie, but I believe it's one of the great American films probably ever made, just period. So Absolutely. I'll just throw and that I out think, there. And I think it can fall under horror, but can also fall under psychological thriller. Um, a mystery. A mystery, you're right. Yeah, it's, it, 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 defies categorization also hit it defies gravity oh like alphaba i like the music theater I, I note just wanted to drop that it doesn't make any sense i just wanted to say it <laughs> it's, it's so. a good music theater drop uh-huh. i love it so um be- oh, we should make sure that people know that this is not the remake we're oh hell no we're, we're not reviewing no. the original <laughs> we'll touch on the original i'll say brief i've seen it um it is basically a shot for shot remake by gus van zandt but in color. Uh, in color. The purpose, there is no purpose of it, except he said it was an experiment, which critics basically said it was an experiment gone horribly wrong because it is passed on by everyone. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I, yeah. I would believe it. Easily. And it's tough to redo that with, you know, one of those classic films. It's, yeah, so. Oh, and, and did and you know, were, 
there were a Did lot of know- sequels of this too, which I hadn't seen any of those either. Uh-huh. I think this movie stands alone by itself. I heard the second sequel was good. I mean, the second one was good. The first uh, sequel. It, yeah, I haven't seen any of them. They might be good. I, I really don't know. I've heard that Psycho 2 was good. Um, I do want to talk about, not a, um, not a movie, but a, another part of the media uh, of the Psycho universe when we go later, though. I'll talk about Oh, okay, that. okay. All right. So before we start, let me give you a couple little tidbits about the movie that might be cool to know before we uh, get into the actual running through the whole thing itself. So first, Paramount Pictures gave Hitchcock a really small budget to work with because they didn't like the source material. Right. And they also um, deferred most of the box office take to him, too, because they thought the movie would fail. So when it became a hit, Hitchcock made a huge fortune off of it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Even though it was a pretty cheap movie to make. And then the other thing that I thought was great that I found was there was this really ridiculous um radio ad that they did this short radio ad they did in the summer of 1960 before it came out and so this was during this time um brands would would talk about brand x to describe mm. their competitors products sure. so they yeah, would brand, like, brand x, x right. only you know only right. cleans mm. however much right. you know our brand does blah 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 sure so he made one that said it was Hitchcock's voice, and he said he wanted to compare his mo- new movie with Brand X. And then the ho- sound of, like, a little horse neighing and, like, the clippity-cloppy sounds plays. And his voice simply says, Brand X is a Western. Now for my picture. Mm, right. Followed by a loud scream. I like it. And that was the whole commercial. <laughs> and that was that's funny, because, yeah, Westerns were so... That was such a huge mainstream... Uh, genre of film yeah. back then. Oh my God, John and Wayne was killing it back the then. The sound, the audio, and then just like, here's my picture and a scream, and that's it. That's <laughs> like a perfect sign so of the times good. for then. Yeah, that's 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 so, so funny. Good. That's great. Okay, so was this was, in, was this also oh. one of the movies that he did with the gimmick where you, this where you, you had to be in the theater before the movie started? Wasn't that part of the gimmick of yes, this? Yes, this was the movie. Yeah. He made a big deal out of it. You could not come. So movie theaters, in fact, I think this actually changed kind of the way that movie theaters operated mm-hmm. because it right. used to be you would just come in whenever you got there right? and they would let you in whenever you got there and you would just watch until you left. Right. And um, so you might come in the middle of a movie and you might just walk into the middle of the movie and then just stay and watch the beginning of the movie and go. Um, or, uh, or just leave when the movie ended. I don't know. But he made a big thing about not allowing people in. I think he even had like audio that they would play in the, in the theater lobby where it would be okay. like music and then it would be like two minutes till Psycho. Mm, I like One that. One minute till Psycho. And that's so a that great kind of just... People would get in there. Gimmick, yeah, to get you in. I mean, that that's makes you kind of just more interested in it, I guess. Yeah, and he had like this plea uh. to the audience with it not not to reveal the ending mm-hmm, right. to anyone who hadn't seen it yet. So, yeah, little, yeah, little stuff like that works. It's cool. Yeah, he, he was... A master of that stuff. I mean, he, he was, was a master of many things, but he was a master of was. that, like marketing sort of yeah, absolutely. angle too. Absolutely. So we start with the old-fashioned, to us at least, titles, right? And uh, first thing I think of is the music. Like this music is so iconic. Okay, it's so so tense. Here's our quick our quick jump into how we relate everything into, into music. Also, into music, sure. For you rap fans out there. 
You gotta love the Buster Rhymes song, which I think is uh, "Give Me Some More." They sample the Psycho track on that whole song. <sighs> it's the one. We're, look it up. Yeah, look it up. It, it um just just Google, Google or YouTube uh, Buster Rhymes Psycho, and it's the one where he starts talking about he got hit over the head when he was playing in the front yard and he was a shorty. And if you listen, it's the Psycho theme playing, and it plays throughout the That's whole. Awesome. He samples it through the whole track. Yeah. That's so cool. And Buster Rhymes, of course, did the Knight Rider sample too. So he's 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 pretty hip on these deals. Very yeah. nice. So, so there's, okay, your, so, there's your connection there. So mm-hmm. great music that yes, Bernard. That a lot of people something. have recognized as being great. Oh, it's the best. Um, and you know what? Doesn't it remind you of the Friday the Thirteenth music though? Doesn't it sound just like that? Parts well, I it. would say that yes. the Friday the Thirteenth music sounds like this music. Right. They're they're kind of ripping that up. But bum bum. Bum, bum, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that, that part where it gets fast like that is 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 a lot like Friday the Thirteenth, right? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so they have this amazing title design too, where the lines come in, the and interlace, out, interlacing, yeah, and yeah. the words like split. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's it's it all makes you so tense right out of the gate, like you're mm-hmm. already like, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do to me, movie? All on purpose. Yep. Yep. It's so good. So after the titles, we get the slate. Phoenix, Arizona, Friday, December the 11th, 2.43 p.m. I really wish they'd be more exact about time, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> they couldn't give me the seconds? Come on. How much more would that have taken? Time code. Come on. Time code. Yeah. Frames. Come on. Right. Let's, let's, let's get with it here. So they have this wide shot of the city that slowly, slowly zooms into and through a window in a hotel where Marion Crane is who's uh played by um uh, Janet Lee sorry okay. my my I'm, mouth got, and my brain were not working I'm together two questions for you I already have one but keep going okay. I, hope you, I, 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 hope, I hope you'll tee up the second part for me so, okay so she's just finishing a tryst with her boyfriend and what As is I her? A I, I like that. And what is her boyfriend's name? Her boyfriend's name is Sam uh, Loomis. Okay, good. So much like. So my questions were: it was a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Who is Janet Lee's daughter? Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. And who is the name of the of Michael Myers' psychiatrist in Halloween? Samuel Loomis. Yes. How I about know. that? John so Carpenter. Good. John Carpenter likes his psycho. So I that, he that likes that's, psycho. that's like just a great little uh two part. And then okay, so I might as well throw it in there at this point then. So Halloween H two O, when Jamie okay. Lee Curtis comes back, there's that scene where she uh turns around, she um bumps into the uh I guess it's the secretary of the of the school where she works. It's Janet Lee. Okay. And that's her cameo. She's in it quickly. And she walks off and wishes her happy Halloween and gets in the old Ford car, the same car she drove in the movie, Psycho. <sighs> and they play like a little uh, chain, kind of like an alterated version of the Psycho theme. So it's a great little, it has these tie-ins to Halloween, which is great. I love it. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, you would love that. So next time you the watch H- H2O, yeah, pay attention to that scene. That's pretty cool. So she's just finishing in this in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Marion Crane is just finishing a tryst with her boyfriend and she tells him this is the last time. He's not having it, but she tells him she'll only see him respectably. And then he tells her 
when his ex-wife gets married, he can stop paying the alimony. And so then they can afford to get married. Right. She just wants to do it. She doesn't care, but he doesn't want her to be saddled with his debt. So they have this little argument about it. And then Marion goes back to work. And her co-worker, uh, Carolyn, who is played by Patricia Hitchcock, mm. who is, yes, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter. There you go. Um, she is... Uh, she, oh, she, yeah, she tells her that she has a headache. And so, and she wants to leave work a little early. And so, um, her coworker offers her a Valium for her headache, which is just like kind of a funny, like, one off thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, I lo- but it does set up that she has the headache and she's going to ask to go home early. I love the guy that's in the office making the business deal with her boss. Oh, yeah. So well, we're, we're about to get there. Because I love the one, one line that he says. Yeah. So as Marion walks in the office, though, before he gets there, um, that is where. So, you know, Hitchcock has a cameo yeah. in every one of his movies. Yep, that's right. And he had it early in this movie because he didn't want to distract people from the whole plot. Like, because right. there's a lot going on and it's exciting. Right. So this is where his cameo is. He's standing with his back to the to the camera in a cowboy hat outside mm-hmm. of yep. the of the um, office that she's walk as she's walking into the right. office. So the boss comes in with a client and he flirts shamelessly with Marion. Oh yeah. And he's buying a house for his daughter who's about to get married and he's brought $40,000 cash with him. Mm-hmm. And so um I love his line when he comes in and he says Hot as fresh milk out there. Hot as, yeah, hot as, <laughs> hot as fresh milk out there. He has That's some funny, one. he has some funny little like, yeah, funny one. little <laughs> jokes there. Um, but so he's bought his money in cash and the boss is really uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So he, after the guy leaves, the client leaves, he asks Marion to put the cash in a safe deposit box over the weekend and then they'll give it back to the client and they'll ask for a check them. And Marion leaves to go leaves early for her headache, but to put the money in the bank and then go home early. Um, but then we see her at home and she's got the money laying on her bed and it's envelope on her bed and she's mm. packing a suitcase. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And the next, the next shot we see is her driving away. She's heading up to her boyfriend's with the cash. Um, and this is interesting. So she's wearing in the scene with her boyfriend, even though she's having a, um, you know, she's clearly just had sex with her boyfriend. She is in a white bra and she has a white purse. Now that she's stolen the cash, we see when we see her later undressed, she's in a black bra and she has her hmm. cash in a black purse this whole time. Interesting. So I thought that was pretty interesting. No, I like that. Now she's she's gone wrong. Yes, yes. She's no longer pure. That's right. Um, so she's driving away up to California where her boyfriend lives because she's in Phoenix. She's driving up to Cali- to I can't remember what city in California her boyfriend lives in, but she's driving up there. And she's like imagining her conversation with him as she goes. And then she starts to like nod off. And she basically falls asleep in her car on the side of the road. Well, don't forget, back up, because I was going to mention one thing. Remember when she's leaving town, she's at the stoplight. And she, oh, right. She sees her boss. Her boss walks, the across the, walks across the crosswalk. Now, that scene, to me, 
This is just me. Do you think when Quentin Tarantino made Pulp Fiction, remember when Bruce Willis's character Butch is in the car and he and he sees Ving Rhames' character walk by him? Do you remember oh. that scene? I, I wonder so, yeah. if that 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 scene when I see Psycho reminds me of that Pulp Fiction scene. So I wonder if it has nothing to do with it, or if it's like Tarantino thinking, "I love that. I'm going to use that. I love that shot. I'm going to yeah. use it. Ah, maybe. I don't know. Interesting. It just kind of reminds me. Of I it. don't know. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it might be something that could happen. Like, but it's just coincidence. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, coincidentally, but it also seems like it definitely. He knows so much. He knows so much about movies. He right. has so many movies. Like in his heart and brain that I think he could mm-hmm. certainly have pulled it out of the Rolodex there. It, that, that's what I think of when I see it at least. So yeah, for sure. Um, so she's fallen asleep in her car on the side of the road. And the next morning, a police officer stops and checks on her and she acts really weird. Like, so that cop gives me the willies. He's scary. He's scary. You think? Yes. I am uncomfortable with him. Um, I find him frightening and, I wonder if he was the inspiration for Robert Patrick's T-1000 character from Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> that I kind of doubt, but I don't know. Maybe. He's he's frightening. I don't know. I yeah, I didn't get that. I just got that he uh, was... I don't like him. I just got that he was... A cop. ...intimidating to her because she's acting so strange and he's and maybe, getting really suspicious. And that's why I guess he, yeah, because I guess he comes across, I mean, to the audience, to, to me at least he does, yeah. Yeah, he's asking to see her license and she shows it to him and he lets her leave, but he keeps driving behind her and she's really nervous until she sees him pull off at an exit. Right. But then she goes to a used car, car dealership to change her car for a different <laughs> one. Yeah. And the police officer drives by again, recognizes her, and pulls over across the street and just stands there. He, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He watches. just gets out and just stands there. It's like, what is this dude doing? Don't you have anything to do? I think he's trying to intimidate her because he <sighs> thinks she's done something wrong. He's doing his job. And actually, the reality is he was right on because he, he was yeah, right. She is up to something. I think he has a hunch. Something. She is up I to something. I think he's like one of those detectives who gets the hunch. Yeah, and she had stolen 40 grand. So, yeah. Which is like... Which was like three hundred some thousand. I, I was going to say that's got to be around three hundred, probably three hundred grand, right? Yeah, it's three hundred wow. something. Imagine stealing that much money in cash! Holy cow! Yeah, Woo. yeah. So she like because she sees the police officer across the street, she like pushes the car salesman oh to God. change cars like, like right away, minutes. and she pushes so hard that he starts wondering if she stole the car. I mean, she's literally the worst criminal who's ever lived. She's pretty bad. Like, she's a bad criminal. She, she doesn't is. know what she's doing. No. Um, and she can't keep her shit together. No. So as she's about to leave, the policeman pulls in, and she imagines the conversation as she drives away. She imagines the conversation between the police officer and the guy who she bought the car and from. And then she almost forgets her luggage. Remember, they got to give her her luggage back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah they got to give her her like, luggage because she's about to leave without her luggage She's crazy. Yeah, she's and then she so she imagines them having a conversation about her. Then she imagines that. her boss and her coworker talking about her. It goes her. on for a few minutes. Like it goes to, on yeah. for a few minutes as she's just driving. Yeah, and I love you're that. hearing all this in voiceover. Her yes. like do her like imagining them saying these things, and she's getting more and more anxious. Mm-hmm. And then it starts pouring rain, and she can't see well enough to drive, so she stops at a hotel, the Bates Motel. I hear it's got great accommodations. Great accommodations. If you want to die. Um, so no one 
is in the motel's front office at first. So she gets back in the car and she honks the horn. And this young man, who we'll later learn is Norman Bates, comes down from the house overlooking the motel and signs her in. Now, the Bates house, this was largely modeled on an oil painting at the Museum of Modern Art, or MoMA, in New York City. I've seen this painting. Um, Okay, so, you know, it's called House by the Railroad. I've seen it. And it was done in 1925 by... um, the American artist Edward Hopper. I love Edward Hopper. Uh, Nighthawks is a great painting. Mm-hmm. And when I was in MoMA in New York a few years ago, I went to see Starry Night for the first time. Uh, and I got to see it. It was beautiful. I got to see it in person. And I saw, yeah, um, the, uh, whatchamacallit, painting. The, yeah, the House psycho. by the Railroad. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So, it's almost like the way it's shown in the movie, it's almost identical to the painting. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so... She signs in on the book, on the registry, right? She signs in with a fake name. And uh, Norman goes for a room key and his hand sort of hovers over number three. And then he like changes his mind and moves to and chooses number one. He tells her it's closer to the office in case she needs anything. Right. Then he invites her to have dinner with him so she doesn't have to drive out to the diner. Sandwiches and, she, and milk. Yep. He, but he, well, he originally invites her to come up to the house. Right. And have dinner. And then when he leaves, Marion's like hiding the money and she hides it in a newspaper, a folded up newspaper on the um, nightstand. On the nightstand. Thank you. That's the word on the nightstand. Podcasters and words, they go together. Uh, Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then she hears this woman's voice yelling at Norman and saying that no woman can come up to dinner and she's not going to take my son and all this stuff, all this crazy stuff. And him like, arguing back like but mother and then norman brings dinner down to marion and you know she worries that she's caused him trouble with his mom and he's like no she's just not feeling herself tonight and they end up what does he say what's the term she's just not herself today yeah yeah she's just what's the term she's not not herself herself today and so they eat dinner in the parlor behind his office the parlor which Mm. is filled with stuffed birds to all kinds of taxidermy and I love this part. He tells her, you eat like a bird because she's not eating very much. And right. then he says, well, actually, the saying is a falsity because birds really eat a lot. Right. Um, and he tells her that his hobby is taxidermy, but he only does it on birds because right. he thinks they're the only ones that like look right, right when they're done. And so and he's honestly, he's like kind of charming in this really awkward, naive, like not great at social situations just way. Like a simple dude. Yeah. Yeah, he just seems kind of sweet and just, like, not very, like, comfortable around people is all. Yeah. And um, at one point he tells her, I don't remember how they get on it, but they're talking about traps. And he says, you know, I think we're all in our own private traps. And he tells her that sometimes he'd like to leave his mother or at least talk back to her, but she's ill. And her husband died. and. Then she met another man who who convinced her to build this motel. And when he died, she couldn't go on. And he says, a son is a poor substitute for a lover. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Interesting. This famous lines. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, um, that's the, the line. And later, the uh, a boy's best friend is his mother. Right. Isn't that what he yeah, says? Yeah, a boy's so? best friend is his mother. That's right. And so Marion suggests sending the mother somewhere. And he gets really angry and very intense and and goes off on her and then it's like she's as harmless as one of those stuffed birds which 
guys, if you don't know the, yeah. the punchline to this movie, I, I can't help you here. Right. It makes sense, right? <laughs> and then he says, she just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little we mad sometimes. A little mad Haven't sometimes. you? <laughs> That's right. And she kind of tells him she needs to leave early because she's got to go back home. And she tells him, I stepped in a trap back there and I'd like to get myself out before it's too late. So we know now she's already decided that it was a stupid idea to try and steal this money. And she's going home to return it instead yep. of continuing on to see her boyfriend with it. Yep. Yep. So she goes back to her room, cabin number one, as cabin we remember. Room. Yes. Yes. And Norman removes a painting from the parlor wall. <laughs> And watches her undress, which is he, where we see that she's in a black bra now. He's a real prevert. Yeah. <laughs> he's a prevert. He's one of them preverts. He's a prevert. Yeah. And then he goes back up to the house. So now, interestingly, you'll like this, Matt. Mm-hmm. In order to implicate the viewers, like to make us feel more like voyeurs as well, Hitchcock used a 50 millimeter lens on his 35 millimeter camera. Mm, I think I did hear this. Which gives the closest approximation to human vision. Yeah, how about that? That's pretty good, right? So you can really feel it when Norman is spying on Marion. It's pretty cool. You can cool. like feel that. Yeah. Sort oh, of I mean, you know, having like the you're seeing it. The right lens for every shot. It's 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 critical. It may, makes yeah, a difference. Definitely, definitely makes a difference. Um. So Marion sits in her hotel room and she's trying to figure out how she can pay back what she spent of the money she stole. So she's making these calculations on a piece of paper and then she gets well, frustrated. Here, here's and the she, thing that, oh. I thought, that I thought was so like, I know the point they're trying to make, but it was just so rudimentary because remember she, she took $700 to give to the car dealership, right? Yep. So she had this amount of money and she acts like she's going through this dramatic like calculation it's just forty thousand minus seven hundred. It's not that. that well, big no, but deal. she she also remember she did that for the I car, but she like... also she also paid for the hotel. Did she? Okay, I guess I forgot. Yeah, about she that also part. paid All for right. the hotel. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, okay. so it's, it's the car not, and it's the like hotel. Doing, it's not like doing your taxes though. But, but anyway, also, yeah. also they're setting it up for later in oh, the I movie. Oh, I know, I know. I just it just I seemed mean, it just seemed funny to me. That's all. yeah. It's definitely a setup. Right. Um. So she makes her calculations on a piece of paper. And then she gets frustrated. She rips it up and she flushes it down the toilet. Yep. This was the first American movie and possibly the first fiction movie ever yeah. to show a toilet flushing on screen. So that I'm not sure I get. I mean, I guess I get it, but I don't get it. And then also I was going to backtrack a bit to where, you know, in the vein of all these things that people have never seen. The movie starts out with we don't see it, but we have people that just had sex. Like yeah. no one had ever seen that in a movie. Oh, my God. You can't put that in a movie. Um, like, wow. So, yeah. Apparently, he put no stuff toilets. in that was worse that he didn't care about having in the movie to like get the because they had the haze code back then. So to mm. get the haze code sensors right. to like let some of the lighter stuff go, he put in more stuff than than what he actually wanted. Yeah. So that the stuff yeah, that he felt was... was really pertinent to the movie would stay in. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. So um, so Marion gets in the shower. And we have this one shot, right, where you're looking up into the water stream mm-hmm, of the shower cool. head. Yeah. So Hitchcock had to do that. He had a six foot diameter shower made, shower head made up. And he blocked the central jets so that the water would spray in a cone past the camera lens without spraying any water directly at the yeah, lens. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so I'm sure just that, total that, practical effects. That probably I mean, took quite a practical. while. 
It probably took a while to set up too, I bet. But that's oh, awesome. yeah, to get it just right, I bet. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So she's taken her shower, and behind the shower curtain, the door opens. We see a silhouette. Mm-hmm. And then the curtain gets pulled back, and it's an old woman with a knife. Yeah. And she stabs Marion to death, and Marion grabs the shower curtain, pulls it down very dramatically as she dies. And there's this another great shot, the shot of the drain. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that shot. Into yeah. her open, staring eye. I don't, oh, I, don't like, I think that's so fantastic. I mean, I, I mean, what I mean, I don't like it. I don't like looking inside of a drain. I don't really like that. Oh, yeah. Kind of gross. But no, I mean, the composition's great. I just don't like looking at the drain. <sighs> yeah. Steve, no, Stephen so King cool. talks about drains sometimes. They're, they're, yeah, it's just kind of gross. Drains are scary. <laughs> they're gross. Yes, they're gross. Drains. Well, and they're gross. Yeah. yeah well. P traps are really gross, but that's a whole like that's yeah. a whole plumbing thing. And yeah, we don't we're talk not going to go that there in, this, in nope. this show. We're not going there. So, also the shower scene features fifth, uh, no, seventy-seven uh-huh. different camera angles. Yep, and fifty cuts. So that is right there. You know, your top three probably most famous movie scenes ever. I would say top three, right? Sure, probably. Yeah. If not to some people, the most famous movie scene of all time. When I'm in the shower, as much as I love movies, I actually never think about this scene. I never do. I did at one point own a shower curtain that had like a silhouette of a person stabbing someone, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. Um, I never do think about that though. But um, I, mean, I would that always is... see that shower curtain out of the corner of my eye and be like, "Shit, shit!" All right. <laughs> what is yeah, that? and we see the person. We don't see their face. It's like darkened out. We don't see who it is. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of different shots. Um, we see the, the old lady, gray hair and bun. And then we see her run away, run away at the end. We see her just running out of the room. Yep. Um, so in the famous, you know, chocolate syrup for the blood because it was black and white. Yep, chocolate um, syrup. Yeah, no, it's, it's really well done. It's a little bit different than the book. I will not ruin the scene for you in the book, though, because the book oh, is I a little... I have not read the book yet, and I really want to read it. They're, they're pretty... Ac- it's, 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 it's really very faithful. Um, there's just little, little things, like a little little scene in the book that's different about that scene, but it's... Well, apparently Norman nice. is older in the book. He's He doesn't look anything like the Norman Bates in the movie. Yeah, they're, they're, the, yeah. they're very different, yes. But yeah, yeah, other than that, there's not a lot of difference, quite frankly. So, oh, the other thing I want to talk about in this scene. So, okay, there's... A continuous shot, right, that goes from Marion's dead body in the shower. Oh, it pans up, right? And pans over, and then it goes to the newspaper Yes. in her room that's right. hiding the rolled up money inside. Right. Then to the Bates house, like through the window to yeah, the Bates cool. house when Norman cries out. Mother, oh, blood, after mother. His mother. Yeah, after his mother shows up with blood. Oh, God. So um, <laughs> this actually, they composited three different film segments That's for that. Cool. So it's not all one mm. shot. It's three whole yep. different things because the shower and the motel rooms were separate sets and then mm-hmm. the Bates house was on the back lot. So it was three separate, like, non-contiguous locations. And you see that in movies, and usually they do it. It's that They can cut it, put it together pretty seamlessly. It's, it's pretty impressive how they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And, oh, and the other thing I want to say about the scene. So we have a lot to say about the scene because it's sure. a really, really <laughs> famous, mean, iconic yeah, scene. It's amazing. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we're the hosts of A Dark Cup of History, a spin-off series to our regular podcast, A Nice Cup of History, where we dive headfirst into the weird and paranormal aspects of the world we all live in. If you want to know your woman in red from your woman in white, or precautions to take against demonic dolls, and just where to go to find Bat Shuck on a moonlit night, why not give us a listen? 
Together we talk about the dark, creepy and downright terrifying parts of our history and folklore, as well as what you should do if you ever encounter any of them. Interested? Come and find us in Buzzsprout, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. So turn on the lights, grab a blanket and some rock salt and and let's let's get get dark. So Hitchcock originally envisioned the whole shower sequence as completely silent. But I can see that the composer, his name is Bernard Herman. That's right, Bernard Herman. Bernard Herman. He went ahead and scored it anyway. And once he heard it, Hitchcock immediately changed his mind. Sure. And I can see why. But yeah, yeah. Silent. That's, you know what? Next time I watch it, I might just hit my mute and just see how that works. That's yeah. Not, that's I, not a bad idea. I I could see yeah. it just, that being just so dramatic and no anything else, but nothing that else music. Needed. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's. I can't think of it any differently. Probably a good so. half of what makes the scene so I mean, effective we, and, we talked and about, memorable. Look how many. I mean, look at Halloween without. The you know Michael Myers music, my God, you know what would it be without it, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. So so Norman runs into Marion's hotel room and he finds her dead, and uh, he gets a mop and a bucket and he starts cleaning up. So really, now you're like, wait a minute, this guy's mom just killed someone, and his first instinct is to go get a mop and bucket and clean it up. Mm-hmm. Something's not right here. Something's going on. And Something's the cool thing not quite too. Right. With this scene, the whole idea of the movie is, you know, they killed off the main character like, you know, 30 minutes or so into the movie. Well, who you like, thought Whoa. would be the main character at least well, because right. she's right. she's the famous actress. Right. She's, exactly. She's probably the biggest name in it, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, Vera um, Miles, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think Vera Miles was quite as big a name mm, as she was no. at that point. No, I don't think so. Um, So he starts cleaning up the, the blood and he puts Marion's body on a shower curtain, drags it, bundles it up. Puts it in the back of her car, in the trunk of her car. He gathers all her things. He gets everything goes in the trunk of her car. And he drives the car out to like a swampy sort of lake. A bog. Yeah, b- sure, a bog. <laughs> yeah. And he dro- he shoves it in and it like part way submerges. <laughs> it just stops. I love that. And he that. gets, it just stops and he gets really nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then oh, it goes crap. under the rest of the way. Yeah. Whew. Oh, thank goodness. Which, yeah. yeah, I love that part. Yep. Um, so now we're with Sam, Marion's boyfriend, at his shop where he's in the back room and he's writing her a letter. And Marion's sister Lila has just come looking for her. Uh, Lila, as played by Vera Miles. Uh, Vera Miles. So who she is still is... alive, by the way? She's like ninety-five years old, I think. Really? I think huh. so. Anyway. Well, cool. Yeah. Right. Well, cool. Good for her. Um, so she shows up, she's looking for Marion and then a PI shows up, um, detective Arbogast, Arbogast. shows up. William and, H. Macy plays him in the remake, by the way. Oh, uh, I can see that. Totally. Actor. I can totally see that. Great Very actor. much so. Yeah. Um, so he wants to talk to Marion about Marion and find the missing 40,000 and, um, he tells them that Marion stole it, and Lila knows she didn't bank the money like she was supposed to, but, like, you know, I don't know if she's, like, sure she stole it. She just knows she didn't bank it like she was mm-hmm. supposed to. Um, and Arbogast asks around town, so he goes and he, he leaves and he asks around town until he gets to the Bait Motel. 
and he shows Norman a photo and he asks if Marion was there and Norman immediately says no one has been here for a couple weeks and then the PI insists on looking at the guest register and he matches her handwriting to the and entry this is that after she made. right Norman just kind of an idiot because he starts talking about the the light for the sign and he's like, oh, I never turn it on except for if I hadn't a few weeks ago, this couple never would have shown up. And he's like, yeah, oh, well, yeah. you just told me that no one's been here for a week. So he that just no one's been here he for keeps right. stumbling so he keeps over himself. Him. Right. And then he like he it's sees her handwriting in the entry that she made in the in the guest book. And he's like, oh, he she's the last name Samuels. <laughs> yeah. She's the last name Samuels. Her her boyfriend's name is Samuel. And this yeah, dude... and it matches her handwriting. And Norman is like he's a worse liar if it's at all possible oh, than Marion is. Yeah. Like Marion's a horrible liar. This PI is and no Norman joke though. Is even worse. He has the handwriting sample. Like he came prepared. Oh, like he has everything. everything. He's and, yeah, he's good. And he does not believe Norman. And I love no. this line. He says, he says, if it doesn't gel, it ain't aspic, and this ain't gelling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that was good. Um, aspic, by the way, is like I think it's like Jello. Yeah, it's just another brand or a term for it or something. It's like, like an, yeah, it's like a term for Jello. Yeah, um, or old-fashioned Jello or something exactly. of the sort. Right. So he asks Norman about the woman in the upstairs window of the house because Norman keeps, has already said no one else is here. And he, yeah, he says, keeps, "Well, what about the woman I saw in the upstairs window?" Keeps making up stupid lies again, and that's just, when Norman's <laughs> like, "Oh, my mother's an invalid, and he won't let him talk to her." And um, so finally, Ar- Arbogast leaves, and he goes and he ca- he goes to a payphone, calls Lila, and he tells her that Marion was at the Bates Motel, that he's sure of it, and that he'll be back at Sam's shop in about an hour. So he's going to head back to the motel to talk to Norman again. So when he gets back there, no one's in the office. So he snoops around a bit in the parlor, and then he goes up to the house and he lets himself in. And as he heads upstairs, a door creeps open, and an old lady with a knife comes out. And surprise, she stabs him to death. So, now, oh, wait, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I was, I was going to talk about the scene itself because it, that's my favorite. Well, well the I, shower scene is great, but this is one of my favorite scenes of that movie. So first of all, I'll say the sound of the knife, um, when it's penetrating flesh, the sound of the knife is actually the sound of a knife stabbing a cassava melon. Okay, very good. So that's what they did for that. Interesting. And then do you know how they did the shot of him falling down the stairs? So that's what I love because this scene is so cool because it has this overhead shot of the staircase and everything. And then it has this just completely surreal. Is it one of those like Zolly shots where they call it where it's the zoom and the dolly and you push it at the same time kind of? Is that what that is? Uh, Zolly or, mm. a Z- or a dolly zoom. Yes. So that it's just it's this surreal shot. The overhead and that together are just two crazy angles that you don't ever see and him just falling backwards like that it's like in vertigo the scene when he's climbing the staircase right yeah it's crazy do you know how they did him falling back i don't know how they did it no so here's how they did it okay he's struggling to stay upright yeah and you see like you see like him from the front flailing his arms around but what they did was they had him do that and at the same time they projected behind him footage they had already shot of rapidly going down the staircase. Okay, that's genius. I love it. So that was behind him just being projected as he was like waving his arms around going, whoa. Oh my goodness. I never even thought of something like that. That is incredibly innovative. That's how they did it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that that works. That, that, That scene is, 
That's just crazy looking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so cool. And I don't know. And I don't know how they made it work. Like, I feel like if you told me they were doing that for that to make that shot, I would be like, oh, I bet that looks so stupid and unrealistic. Mm, I know, right? But you watch it not knowing it, you'd awesome. never guess. It's great. You would uh, yeah. never guess. Yeah, that's like, so cool. Just watching it like as a viewer mm-hmm. wouldn't cross my mind. Nope. Okay, so back at Sam's shop, Lila insists on going to the Mattel to look for Arbogast. But Sam says, no, no, he'll go. She should stay there and wait in case Arbogast shows up. So Sam, like, walks around outside the motel. He's calling for Arbogast. Arbogast is a real tongue twister, by the way, to say. I'm just... Arbogast, 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 Arbogast. Yeah, say it three times So he's calling for Arbogast. As Norman stands by the lake where he submerged Marion's car, right? So clearly, Norman also yes. s- also submerged Arbogast's body he's, there. It's, he's, he's pretty obvious. He's Dunsky. Yeah. yeah, he's totally gone. And um, so Sam goes back to his shop, and he and Lyle decide they're going to go see the local deputy sheriff. I love this scene, too. The sheriff's wife is, mm-hmm. like, the darlingest thing. Right. So... They're, they go to talk to the sheriff, and when they mention Mort Norman's mother, the sheriff's wife just, she doesn't say anything, but she gets this look the first time they mention Norman's mother. She's so confused. <laughs> like, she just has this, like, oh, kind of right. look on her face. And the sheriff is telling them he can't do anything and that the PI probably didn't tell him he found Marion because he wanted to go after her and get the money. Like, he probably just lied to them, basically, and didn't bother telling them he found her. But they convince the sheriff to call Norman and ask about the P.I. And Norman says, yeah, well, he came by and then he left. And then when they get off the phone with him, the mother comes up again and they say, well, you know, are you sure it was his mother? And she says, you know, yeah, that's what he said. He says, Norman Bates' mother has been dead and buried in Greenlawn Cemetery for the past 10 years. Uh So he says, so if that was Norman's mother... Who's in the cemetery? Uh, to quote a great YouTube video, I was like, what? Yeah, I know, what? right? <laughs> but so this like whole like, if that was his mother, then who's in the cemetery is such a misdirect. From, uh, I love it. Yeah. From the writers. I love it. So they tell her that Mrs. Bates poisoned the man she was involved with <laughs> when she found out that he was married and then she killed herself. So Norman goes up. Oh, so now we're back with Norman. He goes up to his mother's room and he says he's going to have to hide her in the fruit cellar for a few days and she just won't have it. No. Her she voice is do it. creepy. It's scary too, right? Oh, it's... Oh, that <laughs> voice is... Three different women did her voice. Is that right? And okay. they like... They like used them... I don't know if they like how That's they stitched cool. them together, but they somehow just did. Make it seem unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> Unnerving, if you will. Yeah. Right? They somehow stitched their voices together. Um... So he so he just picks her up and he carries her down the stairs. And you see him carrying her down this bundle and you hear her saying like, and no, that's Norman, that, put that's me that, down, put that's me that down. Same, that same angle again, oh, that overhead that angle. That overhead angle, right. Yeah, that's weird. Right, so you don't actually see her face or mm-hmm. her hands even or anything like that. Right. You just see her hair and her dress basically. Mm-hmm. So back with Lila and Sam, they can't convince the sheriff or the deputy sheriff. Sheriff's fine, yeah. Whatever. Sheriff, that something is fishy. They can't convince him. So Lila finally just insists on going again to the motel. 
And uh, she and Sam go there together and they register as a couple so they can search the place. Um, Lila thinks that Norman killed Marion for the money. So they like, they get in on this pretext and then there's this whole bit where like Norman, they want to sign the register and Norman doesn't want them to. And then the guy's like, well, I better because my, my boss, boss is going to want receipts and everything. Right. And so, right. so they, they get to sign it. And then there's the bit too, where he says, he says, okay, well, here's your room. And he's like, well, that's the first time I've ever heard someone, you know, not want, not want um, uh, money up front for, oh, for you know for, for the for the lug for the bags or whatever. Yeah, for like, someone oh, for someone $10. traveling without bags. Yeah, he's saying for right. someone traveling without bags because they don't have their any bags with them. He's like, that's the first time I've ever heard someone rent a room who, to people without bags. Wink, wink, mm-hmm. without asking for money. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, ten dollars. Right. So basically, they're they're now undercovers though. They have gone there for an afternoon bang out session bang out um, <laughs> um so they go and they like they go to search all the rooms right so basically um sam is distracting norman while lila is looking for sam's like grilling him to death too yeah. oh like, no i'm <laughs> sorry no first they go search the rooms together that's right first they search the rooms together because they go to they start with number one And that's when Lila finds the piece of paper that Marion did the figures on. Mm -hmm. She finds one scrap of it and it says Mm 40,000. And so she's like. As if that would be the one she'd find. She was here. Yeah, that's the one she found. That's the one that didn't get on Wow, that worked out pretty easily, didn't it? Yeah. So now the plan is for Sam to distract Norman while Lila goes and looks around up in the house. Mm -hmm. So Lila goes to the house and upstairs to look for Mrs. Bates. And she doesn't find anything in Mrs. Bates' bedroom. Or in Norman's creepy child's room. And yes. meanwhile, Sam is like pressing Norman about the money. Oh, he's like grilling to death. Yeah. Yeah. Like first he's like being like chummy. And then he starts grilling him about the money. Norman realizes that Lila must so be like, doing something. Why don't you get rid of the hotel? He, what are you doing? You know yeah. Saying? Yeah. Like what and are you doing like, here? I think you should like leave right now, mister. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I think you should. Well, then he like just cracks Sam on the head with a vase yes. and runs up to the house. Uh-huh. And Lila, when he starts coming in the door, is like, oh, crap. And so she goes to hide in the cellar. I love that shot, too, when he comes in the door and that, that wide shot of you get to see him coming in. But she's like crouched she's down like and hiding down, like, underneath the stairs. Yeah, that was great. Underneath, so it's like the stairs that go up and the stairs that go down are underneath the stairs mm-hmm. that go up. So she's like Little behind the balustrade kind of, there. It's like a cubby. Like hiding. And she like... Cr- Climbs down into uh-huh. the cellar. Right. And she, um, that's when she sees Mrs. Bates sitting, facing away from her. Yeah. And as she gets closer, the chair goes and turns around. And Mrs. Bates is a mummified corpse, y'all. She you sure never saw is. it coming. Well, she you didn't is. if you saw this when it first came out. You did She's not see this coming. Deader than dead. Yeah, so she is completely dead. This is like, I can't imagine like the theaters when this first came out. And that's one thing I always think about too. I mean, I was, when I saw and you know, the first time I saw it, it, it got me, of course. But yeah, I just can't imagine being, you know, of 20 or 30 or whatever years old in 1960 and seeing that. Like, wow. That's yeah, just, just being like, oh my what God. the hell just happened right. here? Like, <laughs> yeah. then who's doing it? So then 
Norman runs in in his mother's clothes and wielding a knife, which and how did he get into those clothes so quickly? He's like Superman. He just does it. You it's know what? Underneath that, his clothes. That his scene is scary. Clothes. Like, I know it might be kind of cheesy, but when I see that frightens me. Like, I'm, 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 no. I'm, th- that is scary. No, Anthony Perkins, by the way, Norman that was played by Anthony Perkins. Perkins he's right. scary. Yes. He, he, he was creeping me out when he comes in with that crazy look on his face with the knife. Oh I'm my like, God. He's really dude. good at it. Like, yeah, like you're, you're creeping me really out. He's really good at the sweet, like innocent seeming sort of doofus. And then he's yes. also really good at the creepy, like. Now I will say, and we were saying we weren't going to touch on it again, but Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates in the remake. Yeah. And when he plays the kind of like goofy hotel guy when he's being asked all those questions, he's pretty good at it. I, I, I will give the remake that part of it. So, Okay. Yeah. All right. So he, so Norman has just run in wearing his mother's clothes and wielding a knife, but Sam runs in right behind him and he manages Saves to the wrestle day. the knife away. That's right. And, oh, by the way, before we move on from this, mm-hmm. here's another tidbit. Okay. So Hitchcock didn't give everybody the um didn't give the cast the end of the script good. until they were getting ready to shoot it so that they wouldn't know good like so because he didn't want it to get yeah it's awesome and he had a chair on set that said mrs bates on the back like a little director's you know uh-huh. the fold-out yeah, yeah, chairs yeah. sure he got one of those that said mrs bates because he had them you know you had them for all the actors <laughs> and then he right. had one for mrs bates and so like everybody was just like Who's going to play Mrs. Bates? Who's <laughs> right. going to play her? And that's, they didn't realize it was just to trick them. That's awesome. Well done. Yeah. So now they're at the police station and the psychiatrist, Dr. Richmond, is telling everyone sort of that he got the whole story, not from Norman. I love that. Yeah. But from his mother. <laughs> that is such a great line. <laughs> so apparently it turns out he goes, he has this like long speech, which is it's kind great. of. I like it's it. It's good, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It seems a little unnecessarily long, but mm, but it's, fair enough. But it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Um, he does a great job delivering it. It I just seems yeah, like yeah. this is a lot of like exposition at the end here, guys. Sure. Um, so he talks about Norman apparently has already killed a couple of other young girls as well. He had been disturbed since his father died. D- and when a new man like came along, <laughs> troubled, he killed the new man and his mother both. So yeah. the story that, that the cops, that the sheriff knew about the mother killing the boyfriend and then herself is not true. Nope, Norman killed <laughs> the boyfriend and the mother. That's right. So, and then to erase the crime, he had to erase the crime, at least in his own mind, by stealing his mother's corpse and then when that wasn't enough, having her there wasn't enough. He became her. And so then we see a police officer bringing Norman a blanket. And we hear a woman's voice say, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so when he walks out, of the, walks out of the room and he closes the door, you hear, you hear the woman's hear, voice say, yes, yes, you. that is creepy. And then we <laughs> see Norman sitting in the holding cell and, and he He's thinking like as mother in voiceover mm-hmm. how sad it is that she had to turn in her own son and how they have to know she couldn't have done anything. Why? She couldn't even hurt a fly. I'll just sit here. I won't touch that fly in my hand. And they'll right. say, why she couldn't even hurt a fly. And then he smiles this creepy smile. It's great. Which fades briefly into the mother's corpse face. 
And then we see Marion's car being pulled up from the lake. Yep. And that's the end of the movie. That's it. Yeah. So, so okay. After this movie came out, mm-hmm. Hitchcock got an angry letter from a man whose daughter refused to have a bath after seeing Diabolique, which came okay. out in 1955, and which he, which he apparently kind of he loved and kind of like wanted to sort of recapture some of that with this. And she now refused to have a shower after seeing Psycho. Yeah. And Hitchcock sent a note back simply saying, send her to the dry cleaners. Wow. So this movie, by the way, was in black and white. Yes. As we've mentioned at the beginning. And one of the reasons was that he thought it would be too gory in color, but also he wanted to make the movie really inexpensively. And so the black and white film was less expensive and he wondered like if so many bad inexpensively made black and white b movies like now that they had color movies like there were these old cheap there are these cheap b movies that were made black and white and he thought well if those bad movies can do pretty well at the box office like how well could a good black and white movie do right so that's those were apparently his like reasons for doing it that way okay i i get it yeah yeah I get it. Yeah, this is, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's one of the most famous movies ever, you know, regardless yeah. of, of, of the genre. It's in a lot of top 100 lists. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's incredibly famous. And, um, you know, it, a lot of great things for it. I mean, it was more violent than anyone had ever seen at that point. Yep. It has, you know, two people having sex, you know, they don't ever, never showed things like that. Well, they didn't show them having sex. Well, okay, I mean, they just right. showed them in the aftermath. But like, but even that, yeah, no one had seen that. getting dressed again. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that even they didn't even do that in movie. So it breaks a lot, of, you know, and, and and it's and it's suspenseful and it's tense and has a great story. Um, yeah, I mean, well, it's, and such a such a switcheroony at the end there, where you're like, wait, what? She's dead. I know. Like, no, it really it, it really is a you know. Like Landmark. now that's a, now that's sort of a standard. You expect that kind of that kind of I mean, flip. But back then that was new. That was It's a landmark. Yeah, it was a game-changing film in so many reasons. It it just did so much to change yeah. things. And and yeah. that that is all him. That is all Alfred Hitchcock. He he's a he's, you know, he was a genius when it he came to He was a that genius. Stuff. He was apparently kind of a dick, but he was a genius. Oh, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. Oh, he but, was apparently horrible to his actors and actresses. I'm sure. But I'm sure. Well, he, you know what? He got the results he, he needed to get. So in the yeah, end, yeah, he made some great, some great film. He um, really did. There was one random question I had that I don't know if anyone else notices this. When Marion gets out of her car, and when Arbogast, the detective, gets out, can someone explain why they get out on the passenger side of their cars? Did you notice this? I think I noticed her getting in on the passenger side of her car at one point. She got out in the rain in the past. Maybe, okay, so you don't have to get wet. That's still weird. But when Arbogast gets to the hotel, he parks the car, stops the car, and gets out the passenger side door. Well, if you think about it. Why would you do that? So they didn't have I don't get out of my car in the passenger side. But they didn't have bucket seats, so you could they just slide bench. across really easily. They had the bench seats. Okay, I, 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 I guess that's the so only maybe reason. you would just get out whichever side was closest to where you were going because it's a bench seat. You just slide to whichever way you're going. I, yeah, okay, like that's the only thing I can possibly think of that makes any sense. That's all me. I can think of. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a thin. It's weird. A thin. Uh, 
no, theory but it makes, there, it, but it makes it's sense. all I can think of. It makes sense to me. Um, so Warner Brothers uh, or Universal Studios, right? Whenever you go on the tour, the motel and the house are still there. So that, that's yep. part of the tour. Yep. You can still go see that whenever you want, um, which is very cool. I have not done that. I would love to, though. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. And so I was going to mention also the remake, the sequels. So if you haven't, you need to see Bates Motel. The television program. Oh, the television show is so good. Yeah. So it's basically a loose prequel to Psycho. Yeah. Vera Farmiga and um, uh, Freddie Highmore. And they, um, so she, the mother, Norma Bates is her name. Yes. And they move from Arizona where their father died. We don't really know the details of that yet. And they buy a hotel this time it's in Oregon instead of uh, California. Yeah. And it's the Bates Motel. And it's about four or oh, five seasons, I think. Such a good... Yeah, it was it's excellent. such so, a good TV show. It's loosely based on that. It takes its own liberties, of course, and makes its own television show out of it. But then a lot of it, the last season, has to deal with the actual events of the movie, which is cool. Yeah. So they, they kind of just took a bunch of pieces of the movie and mixed them up throughout the seasons. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I loved it. I think you can watch it probably on And he has A&E a brother or... in the TV show too. He has yes. an older brother yep. who I lots love. Lots of different lots of different um, storylines. And you can probably watch on Hulu or Netflix or something nowadays, I think. Yeah, but... something like that. Um Yeah, it was on A&E. I was definitely great. I, loved it. I would say I loved it. Definitely recommend watching the movie Psycho if you haven't seen it. Oh, and if you yeah. have, hell, watch it again. It's yeah. worth <laughs> it's it's worth any number of viewings. Yes, and excellent. yeah, totally recommend the TV. The TV show Bates Motel. It's Bates so Motel. good. Yep. Great show. Loved it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. But yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. Totally groundbreaking film that, you know, I don't care if you don't like horror or not. You're, you're gonna. I, I certainly hope you would like this movie because it's just a it's just a incredible movie. I, I hope that if nothing else, you could appreciate it like yeah. anyone could appreciate it. I think the the yeah. the importance of the movie in american filmmaking right, and really exactly. all filmmaking all yeah. over the world yeah i mean that's definitely everything everything he did had not been done like pretty much everything you know like we said from showing the violence from showing the after you know right after the people had sex um uh just flushing the, a toilet <laughs> right the, the toilet <laughs> um the whole storyline i mean everything was new everything had not been done he he did all this stuff and it was it's one thing to like take one or two of these things. He did all these things in one piece. It was yeah, in- incredible. Yeah, incredible. It's, it's so good. Yeah, really, really um, great. I mean, we could just sit here and say how good it is forever, but oh, there's probably and- no need to do that. <laughs> read read the book by Robert Block, and this is yes. the one thing that I find, and I'm not sure. Maybe I read this wrong. Maybe I got this part wrong. But Robert Block is from Wisconsin, and he wrote this book right after the crimes of Ed Gein. I think we talked about Ed Gein when we did Chainsaw Massacre. For those, Ed Gein was a dude in uh, Wisconsin who basically was a real-life Norman Bates. Yeah. He really dug up his mother. He had a shrine to her in his house and stuff like that. Now, Robert Block claims he didn't know this when he wrote it. Maybe I'm getting that wrong because there's no way you can write a book like that when something like that is actually happening in real life. Maybe I'm getting my facts wrong here. But, um, yeah, Ed Gein is your inspiration for Chainsaw. He's your inspiration for Psycho. Silence of the Lambs. Anytime some crazy person and their mother complex, that's who you can thank for that. So look up Ed Gein, G-E-I-N sometime, and you can find out. Um, he was a real-life Norman Bates. He was a real-life boogeyman. Um, really fascinating stuff to read about him. But, yeah, he's he's the pretty much big-time inspiration for this. Yeah, cool. I think 
I think you are right about that. That I think that he is oh, yeah. um, inspiration for it. Oh. Whether whether Block says he is or not, I think yeah. he is. And again, maybe I was maybe I had that wrong, but um, yeah, he's he's definitely the reason for many movies of stuff that you see. Very nice. Oh, and I'll throw in one last tidbit of trivia here. Walt Disney uh-huh. refused to allow Hitchcock to film at Disneyland in the early '60s because he had made that disgusting movie psycho <laughs> yeah all these movies get those stupid bad raps and then 20 30 years later people realize how amazing they were that's right yep so yep. walt disney thought it was a disgusting movie yeah um, oh well. and by today's standards well, it is so tame by today people, lots of people have their own opinions of walt disney so we'll just we'll leave well, that yeah one. that's a so. whole, we're we are not a walt disney podcast <laughs> or not that would take too long not a disney podcast that would be a lot Okay, so guys, next up, Jaws. Our summer's here. Extravaganza. We will be reviewing Jaws with our guest, Brianne Davis, who you may remember from our episode on Prom Night, which she co-starred in. Um, So very excited about that. And um, hopefully you guys will enjoy hearing her come back it's one of her favorite movies so we're yes. very excited to have her here to i'm talk excited about it with us yes yes um i am really excited to watch it again it's been a very oh, long time jaws is i had an obsession with it for a while years ago i watched it like 10 times in like a span of like uh, three weeks like three weeks yeah, it's been obsessed. so long since i've seen it so i'm very excited yeah. anyways okay please everybody subscribe to our podcast for free it's free you can do it on any free. podcast app no dollar bills y'all it's completely free i don't know where that came from no dollar bills y'all i don't even know where i got that oh you got it from dollar dollar bill y'all that is where i got it that's where you got it from and don't yeah it's 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 free dollars and free cents free free dollars and free cents guys subscribe to the podcast best price going rate and review it please on itunes on spotify on Stitcher, I don't know, wherever you listen. If your you local newspaper, there, please do. <laughs> your local newspaper, tell them about us. Yeah. You know, give them our email. We'll talk to them. Love to do an interview. Rue Morgue magazine would hey, love oh, to do yeah. an interview there. Fangoria. Fangoria. <laughs> yes. Um, tell them about us, guys. No. Horror just hound. Tell your friends about us if you if yeah. they like horror. That's right. Um, Spread the word. We would love to to get more listeners out here and and spread our movie love with the whole world. Even though we do have some worldwide listeners, which we're very excited about. So thank you guys. More. We Most of our listeners are in the U.S. That's where we are. But we have some, some listeners from all over the world, which we're very excited about. And we love you guys, our international listeners. Yes. Um, and don't forget, you can email us at thescarymovieproject at gmail.com with your movie suggestions for us to review, your thoughts on the movies we've watched so far, any old thing like that. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Scary Movie Project. Peace out. Don't forget to spay and neuter your pets. The Scary Movie Project podcast is produced by Tara Garwood and Matt Lulich. Learn more at thescarymovieproject.com. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies. 
the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.